We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Steven Adams is a monster, man. He's a, <laughs> he's a monster like somebody from Game of Thrones or something. Like we call him you know, Gandalf. Because like he's never early or late, he's always <laughs> at the right time. And my job is to never stop, regardless of percentages. I don't really give a damn about percentages, honestly. All I care about is wins. If y'all didn't quite get it, let me say it again, I'm here to stay. Hello and welcome to The Uncontested, podcast where we talk about the NBA, OKC, Thunder, and pop culture. You can find our episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and the website, theuncontestedsports.com. I'm the Thunder Mob Jacob. Today, I am joined by Kamiar. It is Nader season in Oklahoma, a little early. A little Nader. early for Nader season. You know, I saw a tweet today by one of the local uh, Oklahoma City meteorologists that said there have been no F5, F4 or F5 tornadoes in the state in 2018. He tweeted it too soon. There was an F. Well, I guess it wasn't in the state. It was in Phoenix. There was an F5 tonight. I'm also joined by Taylor. Kamiar, now that I have a fancy podcasting mic, can I be on your post-game OU podcast tomorrow? Uh, no, because the pod <laughs> Dang is <it>. sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so oh, man. about this game. <laughs> All right. Well, before... Well, no, I can't say before we talk about the OU game because we're not going to talk about the OU game. But we're going to talk about the Thunder game. Uh, let's just go straight to Kamiar to break down the Thunder versus Phoenix game tonight. So Oklahoma City goes to Phoenix this evening to wrap up their season series. Oklahoma City has won three of the previous meetings this season, um, and they sweep them four to nothing. Season sweep. OKC they have no Paul George, no Abrinas, no Terrence Ferguson. Basically, after the first quarter, 
They still win 118 to 102. <laughs> You're stupid. They still win 118 to 102. And really the big thing here was OKC and Phoenix, they were really back and forth through a lot of the first three quarters. And it looked like OKC just, they they were having trouble on defensive closeouts occasionally. And it didn't, Devin Booker got some easy buckets. But then the fourth quarter came around. OKC actually got behind. They were only ahead by, like, I think one point at halftime. They got behind after the third quarter, and they went on a basically on a tear, win the fourth quarter, 37-18 to 18 in favor of themselves. I mean, Russell Westbrook just was amazing. Russ, Dennis Schroeder, and Jeremy Grant all played nearly 40 minutes. They all played, like, about 39 minutes. Adams had 35. Abdul Nader had 30. 33 minutes. That's insane. And, yeah, I didn't realize minutes. that number was that high. He that was on the floor the entire night. Raymond Felton actually gave OKC some pretty decent minutes. He did, especially and, but, defensively, which was surprising. He, yeah, yeah, that was the biggest surprise. So OKC, I mean, their shooting wasn't actually that bad. Russ is the big story tonight, though. Russ drops a 40-piece or... As Chris Fisher said, he dropped a 40-burger. I have no clue what he was talking heard about. That, that, that I, was so weird. It's yeah. just so bad. He was like, yeah, Russ with a 40-burger. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, Comer, you, so Comer was on the account today, or tonight, and he tweeted out about Chris Fisher just not being great. And I, I can't agree more. It just, it just gets – it's so cringeworthy, you know? It's Dude, him just, and Cage oh, have bad. to be the worst combo in the league. Like, And I think it was in the third quarter. I don't know if you guys heard it, but – Cage talked for like 45 seconds straight about Simon Says. And I was just like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? Like, well, back in my church. And then he said, we, uh, we like to play Simon Says. Yeah, like, I was like, dude, like, you're weird. Just stop talking. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather Michael Cage talk than Chris Fisher. Chris Fisher weirds me out. And he's really, like, he's just so boring and uncomfortable and bad. I, I miss Brian Davis. I kind of do too. I never thought I'd say that, but God, it's awful. All right, well, instead of the uh, the commentary, yeah, Russ, Russ with the 40-piece, it seemed like he really kind of found his groove. Um, I know we talked about Nader and his great game. I think kind of what turned this game for the Thunder, though, was their defense at the end of the third going into the start of the fourth quarter, and I think all of that was stemmed by Nerland's Noel. He used his length. He switched out onto guards on the perimeter. He moved his feet. He got multiple blocks, multiple steals. And I, I just thought his defensive energy and the defensive energy at the start of the fourth quarter uh, between him, between Hami, surprisingly with Raymond, Raymond Felton, like I thought that is really what turned this game around and allowed the Thunder to just blatantly run away with it there in the fourth quarter. Honestly, there were times where I felt like I wanted Nerlens on the floor more than I wanted Steven Adams. And I know that's blasphemy to some people, but that's just kind of the way I felt about tonight's game. Yeah, it's crazy, that's right? Way to, yeah, that's the way tonight's game went, which is just, it, it really is crazy. I feel like the last couple of games, Steven just, uh, you know, he kind of went through a hot streak there where we were just begging for the team to feed him the ball. And not that we aren't still, but I, I agree completely. But one thing I thought that was really interesting, I'm going through the final stats here. We're talking about the Thunder's defense in the fourth quarter, but they still, both teams were tied with 12 steals apiece, which is quite a bit of steals, I feel like, uh, for, for a game in total, 24 yeah, steals. definitely. But then you have turnovers. Uh, OKC had 16 turnovers, and Phoenix had 17. So 
basically for the Thunder, this was a tell of, of two quarters. It was the first quarter and the fourth quarter. And those just so happened to be the two quarters that Russ played his best. You know, I tweeted at halftime, kind of after the second quarter, and Russ had a poor quarter. I said that I just, I miss, I, I would, I, that I hoped that Russ would drop a 40 plus game, and I missed when he had takeover games. And he did that in the fourth, and he ended up with 40 on the dot. So that was really exciting to see. And there's a lot of us, uh, particularly a lot of us Thunder fans, who were really hoping to kind of see Russ take over and find his streak again uh, with, with PG out. And there's, I even kind of suggested to you guys in the Slack, just kind of halfway as a joke, halfway kind of serious. Maybe the quad contusion for PG was more of like a, hey, you've been playing awesome. Let's get you a little more rest against the Phoenix Suns. We can probably do this on our own, and let's see if we can get Russ going. Well, hopefully this got Russ going, and hopefully we will see him be able to balance this, his scoring, with what he's been doing this entire season uh, distributing, playing awesome defense, getting steals and deflections. So I, I think there's a lot to take from this game, particularly from Russ and also from Nader. Um, and then I'm sure uh, Kamir will get into this, but he he was tweeting out, you know, Nader was the first step off the bench. And we did see some PPAT, but we didn't see a lot of PPAT. I think that's very telling. Yeah, he only got 10 minutes tonight. They basically played Nader at the 2-3, slash though, all night. Yep. They, they didn't really that's give him any point. power forward minutes. Forward. Yep, that's a good point. And it's it's just really it's really interesting because Russ was on in the first quarter and Dennis Schroeder he looked he looked pretty awful really in the first half. Yeah, and then Dennis gets it going. Dennis get it gets it going in the second half, and that's when in the fourth quarter Russ started taking over again and he closed out the game. At one point he yelled at Kelly Oubre that he couldn't guard him. You could tell that Russ was definitely feeling himself. I mean. A big stat to just to show you like how much OKC was getting to the rim at will because DeAndre Ayton is not a rim protector is that the Phoenix Suns they had 48 points in the paint and that can be attributed to Adams and Nerlens. OKC 76 of their 118 points were in the paint. Damn, that's a lot. They I go hard in the mother. Paint. Yeah, they <laughs> just got and then they they out, they out rebounded Phoenix by 15 rebounds. OKC finished. I mean, just. Really high percentages everywhere, of course, except free throws, where they shot 69%. Nice. That was my thing, though, is you brought up points in the paint. Um, You brought up rebounds. The Thunder had 11 offensive rebounds. They shot a total, as a team, 13 free throws on the night. Like, that blows my mind because when you're living in the lane like that, I mean, the Thunder only shot 23s tonight. When you're living in the paint, you're attacking the rim consistently, you're offensive rebounding and going back up, how do you only get 13 free throws? Like, Harden gets 13 free throws on his own in a game. He got 17 in the second half. Was it last night? I think it was last night. Yeah, you know, like, I don't, there were, I I don't want to be the guy that bitches about the officiating because, like, I I just, I don't like it when people do that. But there's just some where it just seems like blatantly, like the Thunder just aren't getting the whistle inside. I don't. I don't. I think this is a night that both teams really weren't getting a lot of whistles because I thought there were plenty of possessions where OKC fouled the hell out of somebody like TJ Warren and he didn't get a whistle either. Yeah. And I just feel like the refs kind of swallowed their whistles tonight, which makes me really upset because they they have this new rule intact which says, hey, you know, don't touch the offensive players, you can't restrict their movement, don't do this, don't do that. But there are nights in which. Things that are completely 100% obvious fouls 
aren't, and there are nights in which you can't even touch a guy on an inbounds or it's a foul. Yeah, so the consistency really is yeah, it's it's incredibly frustrating the consistency. But as you that's said, a good. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, you know, so they didn't shoot a lot of free throws. Kamiari, you said they shot sixty nine percent from the free throw line. Uh, it came up late that because they they hit some three pointers late, but seven of 35 percent from three when you were missing in the month of December, your top two, two of your top three, three point shooters and Paul George and Terrence Ferguson and Jeremy Grant only attempted one three tonight. And it was off a, off a pass that he caught with like two seconds left on the shot clock and just had to let it fly. Besides that though, I mean, they, they shot the three ball. I thought pretty well, you know, Nader was two of four Schroeder struggled early, but got it going. Russ ends three of seven from the three point line. You'll take that all the time. I mean, so, Nader's first shot was just a wet shot from the corner, just nothing but that net. That was awesome. And then that's, I, that, I, you knew from there that it was just yeah. going to be great from that point forward. Yeah. That's the <laughs> moment. That's the moment that you're like, yeah, Patrick Patterson's done. <laughs> he, uh, that's so true. I thought Nader had a lot of, a lot of looks from three in the first half that he would catch the ball at three point line and have space and wouldn't fire it. And I was kind of hoping he would. Although I got to say, so with, Abdul Nader, he scored a lot of points, right? 7 of 13 from the field. That's awesome. But on the flip side of that, like the Suns had absolutely zero scouting for him. You know, they didn't expect him to come in. You see this a lot in the NBA where a guy that doesn't get a lot of run will come in and do some really good stuff offensively. Like Corey Brewer. Yeah, you know, a lot of that is attributed to, like, they don't know what to expect from Nader, and they kind of just let him do his thing. And just don't expect him to do much, you know. And so he he finished at the rim a few times. He splashed in a few threes. That contributes a lot to his points. What was more impressive for me from Abdel Nader was his defense. Defense. What were you going to say? He moved his feet on ball very well. I mean, hell, the Thunder started the second half with Nader guarding Devin Booker, and he did a pretty solid job. Now in the fourth quarter, Booker took Nader off the dribble multiple times, got to the rim. And and they had to switch Nader off of him and move Schroeder over to him, but I Nader's defense I thought was was very encouraging and his rebounding was really really good as well. I don't know if he'll get any rotation minutes moving forward if he's going to steal any from Patterson or for from Abrinas, but I got to say he looked he looked good tonight on both ends of the floor. And th- that's something that that's something that I mentioned post game is that. I mean, last year, let's say PG goes out. The first guy off the bench that's going to replace him is Kyle Singler, right? And so now you have a guy, you have two guys. You have TLC, you have Abdul Nader. And these are guys that are kind of buried on the bench. And these are guys that, you know, on any given night, like, for for example, Paul George is out. Deontay Burton is with the blue. These are guys that don't get playing time but they can fill a role, they can fill a spot, and actually you know, contribute to the team in really good ways. And that's just really encouraging overall for the Thunder brand. Uh, it's really encouraging to see them actually play basketball, actually get them involved and trust their teammates. And I was just, I was just pretty happy about that. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. Um, and honestly, I wouldn't be particularly, like Kamir pointed out, Nader was the first one off the bench. I wouldn't be surprised to see Nader get more and more of those minutes. Now, one thing to point out with Nader, though, is like uh, like Jacob pointed out, he was playing the two and the three tonight. And when we've seen him the past couple games, he was playing the power forward position. 
he was coming in for Patterson, and that's not, not a position he's necessarily comfortable with. You know, he's he's typically used to that small forward, that three position, and kind of being that an over uh, an oversized three uh, three, I guess you could say. But one point I wanted to come back to is is you guys mentioned um, free throws, uh, kind of the lack of calls for the Thunder, but then Comer also brought up the lack of calls for the Suns. It seemed like T.J. Warren wasn't getting some calls that he is kind of accustomed to. So when it comes to the free throws. You have 13 uh, free throws for the Thunder and 16 for the Suns. So th- there really weren't that many that many calls for either side. They were just kind of letting them play, which in a game like tonight, I'm kind of okay with. You know, uh, you can a team like the Thunder can be more physical against. Yeah, I against feel like the that Suns benefits the Thunder. On top. It definitely benefits the Thunder if they're allowed to be more physical. Your dog is angry, Taylor. He was not happy about those missed foul calls. Yeah. Man, but Rumble's not I mean, having it. I feel you, Rumble. So, but before tonight's game, OKC, uh, for tonight's slate of games for the NBA, I, I think the Lakers and the Clippers are playing right now. But the before that, every game tonight, the Thunder were the only Western Conference team with actually a winning record on the road, which kind of means that OKC needs to just win their damn games at home, which is kind of frustrating. Uh, um, they're now they're now ten and eight on the road. Everybody else is either at five hundred or two to three games behind. Uh, OKC is actually in, tied for second in the West with Golden State at twenty two and twelve. They are half a game behind the Nuggets, so I think beat the Spurs this evening. Um, but yeah, it's just it's really weird. OKC is winning games away from home. And it's going into that old kind of narrative of offense. And it, it, it's attributed to football and basketball, too. But that offense may not always travel, but defense always travels with teams. Yeah. You always are going to be able to play hard defense. Shots aren't always going to fall. So OKC playing good defense, playing their on-brand, playing the way that's their identity. Um, it will travel with them. It'll bode well for away games. And that's going to play into their hands when they... You know, they had a lot of early games at home. It's going to play into their hands later on in the season. Definitely, definitely. And the last thing I, wa- I wanted to touch on before uh, we move on from the Suns game and onto some some just general Thunder talk is even though Ferguson only played seven minutes in the first half, I thought some of the stuff that he did tonight was really encouraging. I thought he defended Devin Booker. I mean, Devin Booker didn't score a bucket. He was like 0 of 6 with Ferguson guarding him early. And Ferguson, his only two buckets were run out, transition, uh, catch and finish at the rim. But I thought some of the stuff that Ferguson did tonight was was very encouraging. And I know I've kind of been on this train all season, but I think Ferguson is uh, is doing really, really well for this team. I think his defense is continually evolving and becoming better and better. And I'm at the point where I think they need to get him a few more shots from three a game. If you can get Ferguson like four shots from three a game, I think that would be like perfect for this team. It, it would provide a little bit more spacing. But I've been really impressed with the kids. What what the bleh, 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 with what the kid has been doing. Uh, he's just. I, re- I think he's been playing really, I really good. I liked what you tweeted out uh, at the beginning of the game, Jacob, where you said that you were hoping in a game like tonight where Ferguson could get like five or so three point attempts. And I agree with you. And it's unfortunate because apparently he's been like rooming with Abrinas on away games or something because he also God. has got, uh, the Spanish flu, a.k.a. the stomach bug that's been plaguing the thunder. I, I don't get it. <laughs> yes. Which is really too bad. This is just this is a game where Ferguson really could have contributed. So it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Yep. All right, well, let's move on to some general thunder talk real quick. 
first thing of note is that the Thunder have signed Dante Grantham to a multi-year two-way contract. Tyler Davis, they they cut him off the off his two-way deal. Grantham got picked up. Grantham has been playing with the blue. He's a six-eight forward. He played four years at Clemson, although his senior year he tore his ACL. Nine games for the Blue this year, averaging 11.6 rebounds. The big, big thing, though, is he's shooting almost 42% from three on six attempts a game with the Blue. Any thoughts on Grantham? Do you guys think he will he will see any time at all with, with well, the big squad, or is this just a uh, get a wing on a two-way contract and and have him there just in case? See, well, first of all, I love what Thunder are doing with these two ways because they are finding these wings, these versatile wings like the Deontay Burtons and the Granthams that can come in and can contribute either from the two, three, well, in Deontay's case, the one, the three, or the four, right, um, which is really cool to see. And then also with uh, Dante, you know, he he's a, a power forward. I was thinking he was a guard, but he's a small forward power forward who can come in and hit the three-point shot. But... One thing that I think is really interesting to point out here is this is one of the few, if not the first, uh, multi-year two-way contract that I've seen. And John Hamm tweeted this out earlier, but basically what that means is with the two-way contracts, you're allowed to sign them to a maximum of a a two-year deal. So this means that he's also under contract for another two-way deal next season. So obviously the Thunder and Sam Presti are pretty excited about this guy and think he, he can at least contribute or at the very least they want to see they, they feel like there's more uh from from what he's shown with the blue and they want to see if he has some untapped potential so i i think that's something to monitor at least and i wouldn't be surprised you know i was kind of hoping that maybe he was with the team tonight when you don't have paul george or alex abrinez and then eventually you don't have terrence ferguson a guy like that can come in kind of like nader did tonight yeah and kind of see what he's capable of I, I just like the fact that Sam Presti is stockpiling wings because they have not done that for a long time. Like they're just taking a chance on every single wing you can get just to see what it looks like. Because I mean, they didn't have wings for the longest time. Like who are who are OKC's wings before last year? Because you had PG and Carmelo, and then the, the year before Kyle that, Singler. yeah, yeah, you know, Kyle, <laughs> Kyle Singler, Singler is getting along. playoff minutes in that year before last. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. That's what I'm saying. Like you had Kyle Singler, you had Dre, you had Oladipo, and it's just like Oladipo's not the player that, that he was two years ago that he is today. Yep. So, I mean, and you have just, and you, you just have a lot of players that really don't fit. And now OKC, like, they're just going out and getting every single wing that they can to take a chance on. That's a low, you know, low risk, high reward sort of deals. Definitely. That it's, it's, I like what they're doing. I mean, they, they literally, how, how they get, how they get Nader? Didn't they trade like, a late second, like a second rounder, uh, or was, I, I, it was something with that. Um, because Nader was, was getting face. Nader had Johnson, essentially been Jakari cut, Johnson, right? Yeah, Nader had essentially been cut uh, by yeah. Boston, and then the Thunder said, "Wait, instead of cutting him, send him to us for like a trade exception or something." So the Thunder yeah. got, yeah, they got Nader for essentially nothing. They got TLC as a throw-in on the Dennis Schroeder trade. They drafted Hami forty-fifth overall. You know, so call me. I think you're spot on. They're just. That, that old analogy of they're just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. And that's kind of what you have to do with some of these wings, you know, and the Thunder stockpiled a handful of them to see what they could get. And it, it turns out that it, it looks like as a long-term project, Hamadou Diallo is going to be pretty damn good. Uh, Deontay Burton has shown 
positive flashes. Nader tonight showed showed some flashes. You know, so I think you're spot on with that. You know, it, it's just you you stockpile these these wings because if they you get them on these small contracts and if they can develop into something, you've got a real gem there. Or you stockpile them in order to make a trade, so they're not exactly. going to play Abdul Nader ever again because everybody's going to see what he did in this one game, and you're going to say, well, "Look, got to sell high, buddy." This many minutes, yeah, got to sell high. It was the Nader show, the Nader show off show, I guess. Yeah, but the, the Thunder are really <laughs> stockpiling assets though, because you know they also have their first round pick in the 2019 draft, probably going to end up being like pick 25. But, you know, if, if you draft someone there that shows a little bit of promise, you now have this stockpile of young players that that are fairly interesting that you could go out and, and make an opportunistic trade with. So I think it's a, it's a positive sign for sure. Speaking of all of that, we've done a lot of talking. There's been a lot of rumblings on Twitter with how the Thunder have been shooting the basketball. So the question arises... Do the Thunder need to make a trade? Should Is they make a, a trade this year, question? or do they do they stand pat? Um, so not not will they make a trade, but do you guys think that they should make a trade? Well, you just said should they stand pat? I think they should ship Pat out. Like I mean, boom, yeah. It's just like yes, yes, they need to make a trade. I mean, and there's there's no. There is, there's not exactly any other idea that they won't make a trade because every time a shooter or a scorer comes up as far as being trade bait or being talked about in reports on The Athletic or ESPN or WAJ, uh, they come out and, and there's always Sam Presti's name is involved. So Sam Presti is lurking the market trying to get something to OKC regarding a scorer, a, a guy that's reliable. Because OKC, I mean, they have Dennis Schroeder, but you you want another piece. You want more shooting involved. Because when OKC can't shoot, when the shots aren't going down, basically when Paul George's shots are not going down and Russ's shots aren't going down, you got a big problem. Because the rest of that roster can't shoot that well unless you're having nights like they are this evening. And so, I, yeah, I think OKC needs to make a trade. I think they will make a trade. But at the same time, they have that massive Carmelo trade exception, and they're a month they're a month away from the trade deadline, and they could be just waiting for a in the buyout market just to absorb somebody's contract, uh, you know, just just absorb a absorb a contract with the with the trade exception. I think it's like what twelve million. Yeah, it's it's a little under eleven, I believe. I think it's like ten point six. Ten point. Okay. Yeah, 10.5 so so let me ask you guys this then: Do you think both the twenty year olds, Ferguson and Diallo? will be on this roster come playoff time. Yes. So, yes, I do too. And I tend to agree as well. That was that was going to be my answer. It's like, you know, you, you see guys like um, Dennis Smith Jr. is available on the trade market and Justin Holiday for the Bulls, Bulls is on the trade market. And the uh, Houston Rockets are interesting in, in Baysmore. But in my honest opinion, and Jacob, you kind of mentioned this in our Slack, but you have all these teams in the Western Conference that are so tightly packed. Maybe the most, uh, the, t- the tightest race maybe we've ever seen in NBA history, for that matter, which is just absurd. But you're going to have all these buyers and not a whole lot of sellers. And you're going to have teams that are going to, be, going to be giving up assets for these role players that they desperately need that they think can push them to the next level, to the title continuing le- level. But 
in terms of the Thunder, I, I'm not sure that a guy like Kent Bazemore or a you know a guy like a Joe Harris, uh, Terrence Ross, some shooting guards like that. I'm not sure that those guys are worth giving up your young assets, your future, like the Hamadou Diallo's or the Terrence Ferguson's. And obviously, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Hamadou Diallo uh, advocate and a big fan of his, but I still just don't feel like it's worth giving up them for a <laughs> yeah Rumble uh, Rumbles and Brody are wanting to to play and want my attention. That's adorable. <laughs> Crazy but no, I'm I'm 100 on board with <laughs> you, Taylor. It's like the it's just the way economics work. You know, there's there's going to be a lot of buyers because a lot of right. teams either are trying to make that push to get into the playoffs for the first time in a while, like in Orlando, or teams are trying to make that push to to maybe push themselves to contention for like a a conference finals. There's like a, a stupid amount of, of teams in the West that are still fighting for playoff spots. And the East, like the top 11, can still technically get in the playoffs. So you have a lot of buyers and not a lot of sellers. So people are going to overpay because that's Supply just... Supply and demand. Yeah, that's just the, how the market's going to pan out. And I think the Thunder are set up really well with the two young wings that they have right now going into next season. That if if... Durant does leave the Warriors, which it looks like that's a pretty good possibility. I think the Thunder are in great position for the 2019-2020 season. You know, you'll have a 21-year-old Hamadou Diallo who's got a year under his belt. You'll have a 21-year-old Terrence Ferguson with two years under his belt. We've seen the the strides Ferguson's made from year one to year two. If Hamadou Diallo can replicate that, I mean, you have two really solid wings. And here's the thing. Both those guys are under contract for three more years. And then they hit restricted free agency where the Thunder control those contracts if they want to bring them back. So you could technically have Ferg and Hamadou Diallo until 2025. Right. You know, so, so do you trade one of them for one year of Terrence Ross and he no, maybe pushes you, you to that. the Western Conference Finals and then he and walks for nothing? Or do you have saying. seven years of Ferg and Hamadou Diallo? You want those seven years. You Sorry. Know. So uh, I'm back in a bedroom now. So I got this new podcasting equipment, and I was hooked up on my wife's MacBook Pro. So I uh, was like up in our little desk that we have off in a corner, but the pups are able to come up and make all that noise. So anyways, I was able to get that into a bedroom now, so it's a little more quiet. But <laughs> but, but that's what I was Honestly, getting at. Honestly, I'd rather have the dogs on the podcast than you, Taylor. <laughs> oh, it's really never mind. mind. Never, yeah, I'm going to mute myself again. I'm just kidding. Podcast now. <laughs> Maybe jump off a bridge. Goodness. Dude, we should make a separate <laughs> pop podcast called the Pupcast where we just get our dogs just to howl on the dogs. microphone. Yes. And squeak toys and all the above. And other oh people God. can like play the Pupcast for their dogs. <laughs> I think a, you're onto something though. We can get like a, sponsor, get a sponsorship like from like Purina. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Big time. Dude, this is We're totally on. random, but apparently like I didn't know this was a thing. Do you know, like, little, like, toddlers watch baby videos on YouTube? Like, my, 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 my one-year-old niece, she watches, like, just videos of babies on YouTube. And, dude, these baby videos have, like, 15 million views. Like, there's this person that they just upload, like, videos of their toddler just, like, playing and stuff. And it's, like, the toddler holding the camera like on the selfie mode and they're making like four or five grand a month off advertisements from YouTube. 
Welcome to the Uncontested, a uh, NBA, yeah. OKC Thunder, and Infant. Uh, hey, dude, I'm just <laughs> telling you, I'm just following the money, man. <laughs> I, yeah, that's I hate right. babies. Sponsors. Same. Not a fan of babies. <laughs> Anyways. It, yeah. <laughs> you know who's a fan so, yeah, of babies? Yes, I, I Russell agree with Westbrook. you guys. I don't think it's true. Okay. Double. Let's keep but this I, moving on. I want to talk about the month coming up for the Oklahoma City Thunder. January of 2019, when we are going to see the Thunder go up against some stiffer competition. That always makes me feel uncomfortable. The competition competition is stiff. Like, oh, my God. It's just weird, man. Anyways, okay. so the, the January slate for the Thunder, they have 14 games. Seven of them, Jeremy County, seven of them are on the road, seven are at home. However, only six of those games are against teams that are currently at 500 or worse. The other eight are against teams that are currently 500 or better. So it's a a little bit different from the December where the Thunder played a lot of teams that were under 500. Do you expect us to see anything different from this team come the new year and hitting a bit of a tougher schedule? Or... Do you think they start to taper off a little bit, lose more games? What is, what is kind of the key moving forward here with the competition uh, ramping up a bit? Well, I kind of like going back to what Kamir was talking about with the defense. That's one thing that you can bring with you, whether you know, you're know you on the road or whether you're at home. That's something that stays consistent. So obviously that's key. Um, I think when you're creating turnovers and deflections, deflections that lead to turnovers, you know, that, that's going to lead to uh, increased pace, which you've talked a lot about this season, particularly in the NBA in general. That's really important these days, and which in turn lead to transition baskets. And so I think that's going to be really important for them to keep that identity. And if we can get, you know, we've talked a little bit about getting Andre back. If he somehow can come back healthy come February or post-All-Star break, you know, that's huge for this team. But even just Ferguson, like you were talking about, Jacob, if he can come in and play that role that that uh, Andre was was had, I guess, until he got injured, you know, that's, that's really big. So I think if you can maintain that defensive intensity and then can continue to play fast, play in tra- transition um, and capitalize off those opportunities and obviously getting Russ going, you know, PG obviously is playing at a huge level. He's playing at a... MVP level, and if you can get Russ finding that balance between nights like tonight where he has 40 points and nights like maybe against Houston where he has a great stat line other than his shooting percentages, but you know if he can make those shots and can have you know 30 points, but he's highly efficient from the field and he still has a triple double and has five steals and deflections, you know that's that's huge for this team. So I think it's it's finding a balance for Russ and then getting these others involved. I mean, it's as simple as sticking to your identity. If OKC is able to stick their stick to their identity and just keep on playing defense, the rest will fall in place because that's the one thing you can control. You can control you putting a lot of effort into your defense every single night. Uh, you cannot control, you know, you know, let's say Damian Lillard going like 7 of 8 from 3 on terrific defense. You can't control that, but you can control the contests you give him and the amount of looks you give him. Definitely. So you just you just have to stick to your identity, and it's 
been very clear what this OKC squad's identity is, so they need to stick to that. And, I mean, like, the games that they are playing aren't exactly against the best in the league. They have the Lakers with probably without LeBron James. Then they go to Portland, which will be a tough one. They have Washington and Minnesota. They have San Antonio back-to-back, like literally in a back-to-back at San Antonio. Then they come home to play San Antonio. Then they have the Hawks. They have the Los Angeles at home. Really curious to see them against Philly. Then they have New York, Portland, NOLA. They have a date with Giannis and the Bucks, And then to close out January, they go to Orlando, which has been no slouch. It basically, you know, it's it's not a bad month. That's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 when the schedule starts to get pretty brutal is February when they're playing nothing but playoff teams till the yeah. end of the season. Um, and that's when you should probably be concerned whether or not OKC is really ramping up or kind of like settling in. I feel like OKC should finish the finish January with a pretty decent record. That, that was kind of my me. thought as well. Like, so I said they have six games against teams that are currently under 500 and eight against teams that are 500 or better right now. Like my thought was the the teams that are better than 500, like you said, come here, you play the Lakers twice, you play Portland twice, you play San Antonio twice, you play Milwaukee. If you can can split the games against the good teams, the Lakers, the the Blazers, the Spurs, the Bucks. If you can split those, go 50-50 on those. So that would be four and four on the month. Your other six games are against teams like Washington and the Knicks and Atlanta, um, you know, New Orleans, who New Orleans isn't bad. But if you can win the ones you're supposed to win, you know, go, go five and one against the sub-500 teams. Split the good ones. You're ending up with a nine and five record in January. That's that's pretty damn good. That's you know, gonna like, keep you where you're out. Yeah, like, like flirting with like first you, in the West. You play the Lakers twice. Split those. Like at worst, split those. You play San Antonio, like Kamiar said, on a back to back, which is weird. The Thunder do that three times this year. They do it with Dallas, San Antonio, and Toronto. It's a it's a kind of a weird schedule quirk. But you play San Antonio twice. Split those. You play Portland twice. Split those. Okay, so now you're at three and three, and you have a lot of the the bottom dwellers left. You know, so as, as long as they take care of business against the teams that they should win, the Thunder have been good at home. So win your home games. Uh, I, I think I think they'll be fine going through January. Now, like Kamiar said, though February is when it picks up, but you also see a lot of teams really pick up their intensity post All Star break for that final twenty game stretch to the playoffs. Uh, another interesting schedule quirk this season is the trade deadline comes on, I believe, the 7th. So it comes it comes pretty early in February. But the All-Star break doesn't start until the 15th. So players are going to get traded, have a week with their, their new team, and then have the All-Star break. So it's going to be kind of interesting, to, interesting. See, to see how that works out as well. But That's very unique. Huh. I, think, I think January... Should be a good month for the Thunder. Like you guys said, as long as they stick to their identity, I also think it's incredibly important that this team, their identity remains constant throughout the game, whether it be bench or starters. The the identity is engaging defense, high energy, and run the floor. And that doesn't change when Russ and PG come off the court. Because whenever you sub in Schroeder or you sub in Nerlens or you sub in Diallo, you still have that same idea of that high effort, high intensity, and lots of athleticism. 
And so I, I think that gives the Thunder a good advantage that a lot of times people want like a change of pace guy, you know, like if the starters are like a run and gun, then when you bring in your second unit, have a little bit of a change of pace. I think this fits the Thunder well, is that they have this this constant identity throughout 48 minutes of a basketball game. All right, last thing I have for the Thunder before we move on is we are just a few days away from New Year's Eve going into 2019. So I thought it would be a good idea if we would come up with some New Year's resolutions for some Thunder players. So we each have three players we're going to give a New Year's resolution to. I'm going to throw us some, some music on the background. Let's do it. So, Taylor... Let's start with you. Who is your first player you are coming up with a resolution for? So my first player that I have is none other than our potential hopeful all-star for the season, Stephen Adams. And the New Year's resolution I have for him is be more selfish. You need Ooh. to demand the ball. For example, tonight, a night where we don't have Paul George... Uh, a night where you don't have Terrence Ferguson, essentially, you know, after the first quarter or so. You don't have um, Alex Brinez. He'd be demanding the ball. He only had 10 field goal attempts tonight. He was 5 attendees, 50%. He had 12 points, which is great. He had 13 rebounds. That's great. But I want to see him, especially on a night like tonight, he should have 20 touches. Or, excuse me, 20 field goals. And, you know, he could have a potential 20, 30-plus game tonight. Seek Nabs needs to be more selfish, and that is my New Year's resolution for him. All right, very good. Kamiar, who's your first guy? My first guy is Paul George. PG. And what's interesting is kind of I'm also saying the same thing, that he should not be afraid to be too selfish with the basketball because it appears as, he, as if he is the best scorer and sometimes, really, within the past month and a half, the best player on this team. And he needs to really take that role that Kevin Durant used to have with OKC and have Russ to defer to him and really just start handling the ball a little more. And if he's feeling it, he, he him take over the game. So I feel like he needs to not be afraid to really take over games. Very good. I like that. My first player is Russell Westbrook. And my New Year's resolution for Russ is to get a vasectomy. <laughs> it seems like after Russ Heck. and Nina have children, Russ does not play very well. So, bro, get those tubes tied. Stop That's popping up babies. That's not how that works. <laughs> no, um, but my, my legit resolution for Russ is just to continue to be aggressive. Right? I don't think he knows how to play basketball any other way, but it seems like in this little slump that he's been in, he, he started to hesitate a bit. Just continue to be aggressive. Taylor, who you got next? Next, I have my second favorite Thunder player behind Russell Westbrook. My guy, Hamadou Diallo. I'm so excited about Hami. I love him so much, as you guys know. But <laughs> for him, for the New Year's resolution, for him, I have just be a sponge. You know, you're around two of the greatest players in the entire league two Hall of Famers and uh, Russell Westbrook and Paul George. And, you know, we've seen this with Ferguson, particularly in the leap that he's made from this past season to this current season with his defensibility, particularly, but just his, his confidence, even, you know, 
we we talked about on the podcast the whole story of you know, Russ going to talk to him after the first four games and trying to help him and ever since then he's been playing better after they had their little talk and shoot around or whatever they did after a game um and for homie he just needs to take all that in from the, from these greats and and continue to learn be open because he has so much potential he has so much raw athleticism we've seen what the thunder can do with guys like that uh, a perfect example of that is jeremy grant and so when you have these players and these coaches obviously and, and the staff like the thunder have just be a sponge be open to everything, absorb all the information that you're learning, and then take a huge leap next season, a, a bigger leap the next season. And next thing you know, you know, four, three, four seasons from now, maybe homies are starting shooting guard. Very good. Tell me, who's your next player? My next player is Dennis Schroeder. And I would say what he needs to work on for his New Year's resolution is he needs to work on his lobs because those things are god awful for the most part. Like, they're like really, I have no other complaints about him. There are nights when he has off nights, and that's that's pretty normal for any NBA player. And he does what he's really asked to do. Like tonight, did he struggle in the first half? Yes, but did he really? He did he really give OKC the spark and the lead to really end the game to close it with Russ being the nail in the coffin? Yeah, he did, but. There's several times when he has a lob to Nerlens or tonight he had one to Nader and it was like the most awkward and awful lob I've ever seen in my life. Like Raymond Felton is better at throwing lob passes to bigs and other players. Just you're a point guard. You have good passing skills. Throw better lobs. That's all I got for him. Very good. My next one is Nerlens Noel. And my New Year's resolution for Nerlens is to accept your role and embrace the atmosphere. Nerlens, since leaving Kentucky, has kind of bounced around. He went to Philly for a while, got traded to Dallas, turned down a massive extension because he thought he could get more, struggled to even find playing time in Dallas, ended up eating hot dogs in the media hot room. Hot dogs, yeah. I wonder what kind of hot dogs they were. Do you think yeah. they were bar S or do you think they were the good ones? <laughs> that, that, dude, that's my question. They gotta like, be, I, I don't know why room, no media members haven't friends. asked him this question. Like, True. what is your brand of hot dogs? hot dogs? Dude, Nathan's, Nathan's hot, dogs hot dogs are pretty dogs. damn good. Like yeah. those, those like kosher all beef dogs. I swear yep. to God, if Nerlens was eating bar S hot dogs. What if it was a Schwab dog? With no mustard or ketchup, just. Just dry. If you were just eating, <laughs> if you were just eating like just a bar s hot dog, OKC needs just just needs to cut him. Like <laughs> I would not, I would not Dude. go to the locker room mid game or not locker room, but the media room mid game to get a bar s hot dog. Yeah. I wouldn't like. I wouldn't even feed. Like if I was starving, I wouldn't eat a bar s hot dog. I, but whenever I was a I kid, go, I used to eat those things cold, the, man. Kamiar, he's a changed man these days. He's I would a new go, guy. Thunder culture. I would leave. Like, I wouldn't even be on the bench. I'd just be in the middle of a game. I would leave the <laughs> middle of a game to go get an Ethan's hot dog. Oh, yeah. Fair. See, I don't know why he doesn't have an endorsement deal with a hot dog company yet. I mean, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes is, is now with a ketchup company. Like, why can't Nerlens get on with the Schwab dog? And every time he dunks, we can say hot dog. Oh, my God. All right. Nerlens Noel has, has struggled to find consistency and success anywhere. He now has a very clearly defined role and lots of success in Oklahoma City. He's going to have an opportunity to move on next summer or an opportunity to 
opt into the second year of his contract or possibly take a new deal from the Thunder. I think the best the Thunder can offer would be their taxpayer mid-level, about $5 million per year. The money is going to be tempting, but I think Nerlens has kind of seen what the other side looks like. And to have success at this level with the Thunder like he is, it's got to be pretty sweet. So embrace the success, embrace the moment, and, and continue with what you're doing. Taylor, who's your last player? So my last one I have is Jeremy Grant, and this is a really hard one because he's been so great this season. So I just have keep on keeping on, you know, and and not just keep on playing the way you're doing, but continue to improve on the things that you can that you've improved on from season to season. Whether that's your ball handling, you're driving to the rim. Obviously, his three point shot has been so improved this season. You know, if he can continue to improve that, that's really exciting for this team. Um, and then I, there's things that he can improve on, such as his court vision. You know, uh, when he's, he's catching the ball, he's driving. Instead of going trying to draw contact, maybe he can dish out to an open three-point shooter if the Thunder had one of those um, <laughs> outside of PG. But so, yeah, I mean, Grant's just been awesome this season. It's been so exciting to see uh, to the point that he, he should honestly be in most improved player conversations, Definitely. whether he's going to get it or not. So keep on keeping on for Jeremy Grant, and I hope he just continues to improve throughout this season, throughout these hopefully playoffs, I'm assuming, and then uh, obviously next season as well. Very good. Kalmyar, who's your next guy and last guy? My last guy is Alex Abrinas, and this one I feel like is pretty simple. This dude just needs to uh, – his New Year's resolution is to take more vitamin C Get vaccinated. per day. Get vaccinated, yes. That's like, what I was going to say. Like, come, like, this guy's been sick. And missing more games than anybody else I can ever remember, and he's causing other people to get sick. Is it necessary? And I just kind of like, I'm, it might be. I'm just kind of sick of him. <laughs> so like, it's just like, come on, man. Okay, come on, I, man. Can I say something really quick? So, uh, uh, AD, our guy Antonio Daniels, love him to death. He has the best analysis ever. But some guy was like tweeting at him about Alex and how he just was like. Why can't this guy get healthy? We should trade him. Obviously, that Thunder fan was overreacting, which I agree with completely. But um, AD was like, you know, we, we've got to be loyal to him. Uh, you, you can't just trade him just because he's been sick a couple times, et cetera, et cetera. But to AD, the thing with Alex is that he's been this, this project, right? We drafted him. He went overseas. He developed. We brought him back. Um, he, you know, we, we let him develop under some of these players. But he's just been so so streaky to the point that it just it makes you wonder about him for this team, particularly because you know he'll, he'll go on a streak where he has a couple of games where he you know is just on fire, has twenty plus points, but then he goes on a two month stretch where he's doing what he's been do, doing recently, whether he's sick or not healthy or has injury problems or he's out there and just keeps missing wide open shots, um, game winners like recently, and I. I don't know. Anyways, that's just something that I, I saw earlier and that Kamiar's new resolution for him just kind of brought that up. I wouldn't be opposed to trading Alex at this point. And I think at some point, if you're just continue, continuously loyal, um, I think that can kind of shoot you in the Yeah, foot. for sure. All right, the last player we have, I've got Terrence Ferguson. And my New Year's resolution for Terrence Ferguson is just to stay confident. You know, after the first four games of the season this year, he was really down. Russell Westbrook gave him the pep talk. Ferguson had to delete all of his social media because people were trashing him. 
uh, probably rightfully so because he was playing really bad. But since then, he's been incredible for this team. In the month of December, he shot 40% from three, although on limited attempts. His defense has been incredibly good, like upper echelon good. Just keep your confidence high because that's when you play your best basketball and you have no reason to have low confidence right now. You're the starting two guard for the number two team in the Western Conference. You are a big reason why they're number two in the Western Conference because of your defense. So keep your head up. Try hard. Keep your confidence. And uh, and that's what I got for Ferg. So very good, guys. I like Let, it. Let's move on. Let's wrap this bad boy up with some around the association news. I don't have a sounder. Just go for it, Taylor. <laughs> I'll jump into it. That sounds good. So, yeah, uh, you know, this is kind of our post-game podcast and group podcast all together. So I'll try and go through this pretty quick. But one thing that really sticks out to me is the Houston Rockets. They're starting to look like the Houston Rockets that all the quote-unquote smart NBA analysis and analysts, all those people thought that they were going to be this season, just like they were last season. Um, now, they may not be as good as they were last season, but they have been just – they've been surging. They have won on A their last nine. Over James Harden's past 13 games, he's averaging 33.8 points per game, 17.9 assists per game, 5.8 rebounds per game, 1.7 steals per game, and that's all on 45% field goal percentages and 38 38%. Uh, percent from three and that's without chris paul without his hamstring injury you know they they just picked up austin rivers he's been really well been doing really well for them on you know these past couple of games since they've had him so what are you guys thoughts on the houston rockets will they end up still competing for one of those top spots let's say top four spots in the west um what are you guys thinking about them moving forward i think they're uh they're starting to find a stride you know and i don't I don't necessarily think this is uh, just a small stretch and they'll they'll go back to not being good again. I, I almost kind of feel like the roles have been reversed. Like the Rockets are having the season that the Thunder had last year and the Thunder are having the season the Rockets had last year. You know, the Thunder struggled early, started to get it on late and uh, ended up like just not being a great team and getting bounced in the first round whereas the Rockets were kind of elite all year and ended up making it to the Western Conference Finals, I feel a lot like those roles have been reversed this year. Now, can they still end up top four in the West? I mean, they're at 19 and 15 right now. They are half a game, no, sorry, a full game behind the fourth seed Clippers. Um, They're only one loss behind the Clippers. So anything in this Western Conference is possible. If a team goes on a three-game losing streak, uh, I mean, they could go from third down ninth in no time. So, I I mean, I I think the Rockets are going to be decent. Do I think they're anywhere near they were last year taking the Golden State Warriors to seven? No. And that's even with the Warriors being, I think, not as good this year as they were last year. But Austin Rivers... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's been he's been fairly decent. I, I love just following Houston Rocket fans on Twitter and Reddit and all that stuff. But anyways, Kamir, what do you think? I mean, they've been really good. Like you have to consider the teams they've beaten eight of the last nine because they had a three three game losing streak, <clears throat> and then they they rattle off wins. They they beat Portland. They beat. L.A. with LeBron. They go to Memphis. They beat them. They beat Utah, who's kind of been a major disappointment this year. 
they beat Washington, which you should. They lost to Miami just by two in Miami. Then they beat San Antonio, OKC, and Boston. So they're not exactly just like beating bad teams. These are teams that that are pretty decent. A lot and quite a few of them are like 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 Portland's a playoff team, LA's a playoff team, Memphis is fringe, Utah is should be. Washington sucks. Miami is. San Antonio's fringe. OKC and Boston, they're all playoff teams. And they've been playing really well, seemingly without Chris Paul, who they will be paying $40 million for the next three seasons. And, I mean, they're hitting a rhythm. They're hitting a stride. But at some point, I feel like it's just going to clamp down. I mean, I just, I just, OKC should have beat them the other night. And I feel like they're formula for winning games is not going to win them games in the long term with James Harden taking 20 free throws and even uh, and, and I like it, it's just I don't think it's sustainable and do they have amazing shooters yeah they have Eric Gordon they have James Harden uh, but you know in Clint Capella he he's a decent center he's by no means in a league of Adams he's not in the league of Rudy Gobert or anybody like that it's just I mean they're good but I don't think they're going to end up in the top four i think they'll be i think they'll flirt with the four i think they'll in be with the five and six but i don't think they'll fl- i don't think they'll end up in top three or four i think that's probably but a good Connie, assessment. Our, the ringer nba says that clinton capella is a top three center in the entire Dude. universe <laughs> they Dude, love capella I, he's I, not I, even top three center in the west yeah. but he's better than stephen adams apparently yeah no i agree i'm, I'm, I'm with you although he i don't he, know if clinton capella's in a top three center really in well. his own division because in that division you have That's Anthony fair. Davis, DeAndre Jordan, and Mark Gasol. Yeah, yeah. no, he's not. Yeah. So no, I'm with the you. ringer can miss me with that bullshit. Well, it's it's James. It's all James Harden. You know, whoever James Harden center is, and if he's putting up points, it's that's a top five center in the league. Um, so I kind of get tired of all that, but I'm I'm with you guys. I think those are both really really good points. I I like what Jacob said with um, the Rockets are the Thunder of last year, and the Thunder are the Rockets of last year. The Thunder have to get that identity, and I like what Kamir said. Kind of looking at both angles, you know, you have the Rockets this season um, during this stretch. They really have been some good teams, but is that sustainable? And that's kind of what we saw with the Thunder last season. Um, so moving on, speaking of su- sustainability, you know, you have the Lakers who have been hot as well, another really hot team. However, during the Christmas games, LeBron was playing, and the Lakers were playing against Golden State, and LeBron got hurt. We saw also that video, I'm sure, on Twitter that went around um, saying like something along the lines of it. I, I felt it pop, and he was talking about his growing. And it's looking like he's going to, after originally the Lakers coming out saying they didn't think it was anything too major, um, the MRA came back okay, but it sounds like he's LeBron's going to miss multiple games, as well as uh, Rondo, who's going to be out for at least a month with hand, hand surgery. So that's not ideal. You know, the Lakers are currently at 20 and 15. Like I said, they've been hot. That puts them at fifth in the West prior to tonight. They are currently, let's see if I can get my app to upload here. They're playing the Clippers tonight. And they're down 14 in the fourth quarter. They're going to lose. <laughs> so, yeah, they're probably going to lose that game. I can't get my CBS app to upload. Um, so that's going to put them at 20 and 16. Um, and so, hey, shout out to the Clippers for actually not sucking this year. They're actually pretty decent. Yeah, they, keep, they started yeah. off really hot, kind of tapered off a bit. But, I mean, they weren't supposed to be good they, either. Yeah, no, you're, and then you got guys like uh, like Harris, uh, who's just been playing great, and it's just 
you know, he there's a lot of people saying that that could be a uh, kind of a second tier free agent signing behind like the Kevin Durant and the Kyrie Irving. Oh yeah. Or oh yeah. The Kawhi Leonard's, but that might be a like 1.5 tier. You know, like you know what we missed out on Kevin Durant, but you want to sign Tobias Harris. But I'm, I'm anyways, not, I'm not willing to look it up right sorry. now just because I don't want to waste time or anything. But I just think it'd be really cool if the Clippers and the Lakers, I don't care which order it is, but finished four and five in the West and faced each other first round. That would be awesome. Can you imagine Staples? So just seven straight games in Staples Center with that the teams just awesome. swapping locker rooms. It'd be That'd pretty be cool. so cool. It'd be pretty cool. And save a lot of money. Yeah. A lot, yeah. A lot of and, travel and money. Raise a lot of money. Yeah. You earn a lot of money there. But so, how much do you guys think that the the Rondo and LeBron injuries will Lakers? Do you guys see them slipping? What are your guys' thoughts on that, real quick? Rondo, I don't care about. I don't think they're going to slip without Rondo. But with no LeBron, I think they'll slip pretty quick because he's what's making that team go. Like he's the one averaging a triple. He's not averaging a triple double, but he's getting nearly a triple double every night. Yep. He's willing that team to victory. And I mean, did Lonzo have a triple double the other night? Yeah, cool, whatever. But he. LeBron is what's making that team run right now. Lance Stevenson is not going to put that team on his back. So I expect, like, I mean, of course, I say this right now, and I'm probably going to jinx them, but when OKC goes to L.A., you know, in the, one of the first games out of New Year's, they should beat the Lakers without LeBron because I've been thinking, oh, my God, like, Paul George is going to guard LeBron. Um, you know, that, that's going to be cool, but, you know, who who's going to guard LeBron when PG's not in the game? Well, yep. it doesn't look like he's going to be there. Um, so, I mean, it makes the game easier. So I think the Lakers will slip a little bit and that'll give teams like Portland and the Sacramento and Memphis and San Antonio and Dallas, who's been awful as of late, but they'll give them opportunities to pass them on in the, in the Western conference standings. And I think the, I think the Lakers, by the time LeBron gets back, I think they'll slip to eighth to be quite honest, because, hey, they're literally one game out of eighth. Yeah. So yep. they could slip out of the playoff standings right now. So we won't even know what the West is going to look like probably till the five games left of the season. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's going to be it's wild. Crazy. Um, I think the Lakers will slip a little bit as well. I mean, LeBron James leads that team in minutes played. He leaves them in points. He leads them in field goal attempts. Um, you know, he's top five in field goal percentage. He's shooting the three really well this year. He's one of their best rebounders. Um, he's leading the team in assists. Losing that guy is, is important. You know, he, I mean, in my opinion, he's the, he's the best player in the league. Losing that guy is, is pretty important. Now, they don't expect him to be out for too awful long. May, I'd say maybe like a couple of weeks. Um, but in that time frame, they're playing the Clippers tonight. They have Sacramento, who's been playing really good. They lost Sacramento the other night. They have the Thunder. They have New York. They should win that game anyways. Minnesota, Dallas, Detroit, and Utah take you out to January 11th. Like, that's a pretty rough stretch. You know, and, and there's some pretty good teams in there. So, yeah, I can see them uh, definitely having a losing record over that stretch and and it being a bit of an issue for them, you know. Uh, like Calmier said, I don't think the Rondo one is nearly as significant. Even if Rondo's out, they can run like Lance Stevenson as backup point guard or whatever. But I, I, I think losing LeBron when that whole team is predicated off of him uh, is a bit of an issue. And and honestly, that's why I think the Thunder are doing so well this year is, you know, they're um, 
even with Russ out, like the whole offense wasn't predicated on Russ now, and so Paul George was able to carry the team. So I'm with you guys, and um, you know I, I agree completely. I think a good example of that is that game last night where they lost to the Sacramento Kings, obviously on that crazy uh, buzzer beater by how do you? I don't want to mispronounce Bogdan, his last son name. of Bogdan, Bog- first of his Bog- name, yeah, King of the Andals <laughs> and the first men, <laughs> King in the North. Uh, or the West, I guess, in this case. But, (laughs) (laughs) um, I, you know, you have, like, you have Lonzo, who I think had, like, 20 points. You had Kuzma, who had 30-plus points. You had Ingram, who had, like, 22 points. And, you know, these guys are all contributing. They played solid defense, but you still lose a buzzer beater. Don't get me wrong, Sacramento's a great team this season. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're a seventh or eighth seed in the league. But... When you have three guys scoring that much points and you're still going to lose a game like that, um, obviously losing a player like LeBron is is going to hurt you. So I'm with you guys. And just the final thing I have here is Chandler Parsons, a guy who who really, you know, people were really high on here four or five seasons ago, but just has been plagued by injuries um, and just about everything else. He's been cleared to play finally for the Grizzlies, participate in five-on-five in practice, but Memphis still plans to keep him out of the lineup and even just make him inactive. So do you guys think that, is that a trade ship, like for something cheap? Is that a buyout candidate? Is that a none of the above? He's washed. He's going to turn into mellow. His contract is just too damn big, man. Like, let me look this up real quick. But it's, I mean, they're, they're playing decently without him. And, you know, I just, I don't know who's going to trade for him. Like you said, his fall from grace has been, uh, has been pretty Pretty significant, you know, because he was, he was a big time player whenever he left Houston. And I mean, he even played well for Dallas, his contract, uh, he is under contract for this season and next season, no options. He's owed 24 million the rest of this season, 25 million for next season. So, wow. like, are you is a team willing? You're not to, trading for that. He, he's not even expiring, you know. <laughs> right. And right. that Ugh. 25 million is so about 23 percent of your cap space. So, like, is somebody willing to take that on? Um, I think the only way Memphis can trade that contract is you have to attach some sweeteners to it. I like sweetener, like Splenda. Yeah, like <laughs> you have to send a shitload of Splenda to get rid of him. Granny, he's in. Maybe sponsored by Splenda to get rid of that contract. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's that's so. I mean, shout out to Chandler Parsons. Sit on that bench and collect those checks. Get that buddy. money. He's but, getting in the DMs of like strippers on Instagram and stuff. Yep. Shooting so shot. I'm now. Yeah. Shoot your shot. He's played three games this season. JR. Three games. So you mentioned Dallas really quick, Jake, and we don't have this in our notes, but just something that came across my timeline earlier. I just want to shout out is uh, Luka Doncic. So Dallas actually lost by two to New Orleans because Anthony Davis just had a, an absolutely absurd game. But Luka uh, has a career high tonight of 34 points and a career high made three-pointers. He was 7-10 from the three-point line. Uh, he Rookie of the year. Let's, uh, let's hope Paul George is healthy and that quad is feeling oh, good I for the back-to-back because they're going to need him to guard Luka. So. Uh, he was on the bench tonight. I think he's going to be fine. 
Luka yeah. Doncic, or you could be like Michael Cage and say Luka Doncic. Oh my Don't god, dude! He was even saying at the game after the Dallas game, he was like Luka, Luka Doncic, and and like, Fisher Fisher was like intentionally or? enunciating Doncic. He was like, "Yeah, Luka Doncic. That's what I said." I hate Michael god. Cage. God. I still prefer I still prefer Cage over Fisher. Maybe we all should just do like a live. I prefer like, over a, a, a goldfish. All right, let's get out of here because now I'm mad. <laughs> all right, thank you guys for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you. We're still dropping the post game pod, so make sure you check those out. You can follow Kamiar on Twitter. He is at BoomtownRW. That's me. If you're a Sooners fan, tomorrow Orange Bowl, Kamiar is going to be a good follow. You can also Boomer. follow Taylor Peterson at Taylor underscore P15. That's how many times he pees a day. 15. Oh, dude. What the hell? Gallon of water every day. Drinks a lot of water. You can Very also active. follow me on Twitter at ThunderMob405 and the podcast at The underscore Uncontested. Hey, shout out to uh, to our winner of our Russ jersey the other night. They get, he got a Russ t-shirt jersey. We'll be doing more giveaways in the future. Yeah, jersey, if you will. We'll be doing more giveaways in the future, so make sure you follow the Twitter account for that. Also, check out the website at theuncontestedsports.com. That's all I got to say. We will talk to you the evening of January 30th after the Thunder play the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, you guys have a good weekend. Go out and buy those Abdel Nader jerseys before they get all all get off the shelves. It's Abdul and, uh, Nader. Abdul, Abdel, Abdi. Abdul. Goodbye. Also, you said uh, January 30th, December 30th. We, oh. We're, we're going to talk to them sooner than a month. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bye. From earaches to strep tests, there's Minute Clinic at CVS. See a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials. Or see us online with telehealth options. That's healthier made easier. Visit Minute Clinic at CVS today. Services vary by location. See MinuteClinic.com for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.